Hello, this is episode 150 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. I'd like to talk about the differences between American and European racism, the scale of hate origins. Some of my podcast listeners request I do cheerful topics as well. I'm sorry, I'm finding that a bit impossible in the current world. There seems to be too many difficult topics to talk about right now. So I'd like to talk about the scale of hate. I'm borrowing this from Music by Loa. It should be named the Loa by Music Hate Scale. I shared a video linked to her profile on my Instagram a few weeks ago. Go listen. It'd be better to listen to a black person explain the scale to you. So please do look up the video. The idea is how small acts of racism add up and why that is so massive. How all those small actions of hate add up to the maximum end of the scale where your life is in danger. I got thinking about this a lot. It helps that there's been so much content shared. For example, Greenwood by Alvin Alley. I've also just finished watching him, which was a fantastic documentary piece as well, which allowed you to see Alvin Alley being interviewed as well. Small Island, based on the book by Andrea Levy, which was on the National Theatre last week. This week we get to see in Lorraine Hansbury play. I've written about one of the resounding differences between racism and the assumption of the challenges faced by people with literacy difficulties, such as myself and how those are interconnected, but that the reality is that my lack of ability to be able to read and write well doesn't put my life in danger. I can walk down the street and be less likely to be shot. It doesn't matter if I wear a hoodie. I'm not likely to be beaten up or to be racially abused. My life as a child or a teen was not put in extra danger. I could play safely with a toy gun in the park if I wanted to. I could walk down the street with a hairbrush. The assumptions about me did not extend to my safety. I was bullied, but that's different. And, and in many ways, why racism is so difficult is because we all have aspects that others would pick on. I've even exposed my own vulnerabilities in my book about my literacy, and others have used these as a means to harpoon me. It's a growth process that I've had to get over and get beyond. We use others' weaknesses or perceived weaknesses all the time to derail them. And so most people are chameleons. They change their spots. They don't show their vulnerabilities so that they can't be picked up and that those unconscious biases can't be used against them. We all pretend to be able to read. But you can't change your skin tone, so you're always vulnerable. You can never hide from other people's judgment. And that is what makes racism so difficult. And that's where I see the elements that make up the small end of the scale that's outlined by Music by the Law. The judgments, the idea of being monkeys, left to live at the bottom of the poverty ladder, especially in Britain after the war. All the promises that were made to them and the reality of what they were left living in and in the displaced world and the assumptions, can't you read, can't you talk properly, do you wash, Do you have shops where you come from? Do you live in trees? I've always known that there were signs in Britain after the war, no blacks, no Irish, no docks. And of course, the conditions that they were made to live in and the jobs that were made available to them and the poverty divide just fueled all of those assumptions and made it even more difficult for them to be seen in any way of equality. And when they did do better, and they did crawl up through the food chain. 
which is written about so wonderfully by the likes of James Baldwin, but especially by Lorraine Hansberry in A Raisin in the Sun. That play in particular outlines the deep challenges of a black family moving into a better white neighbourhood and the rocks through the windows, which happened in reality for Lorraine at eight years of age, living in Chicago, where her father challenged the segregation and the divided living. And in many ways, though I've jumped around and talked about Britain and Chicago, for me, European racism is based in those perceptions of people, people who were good enough to fight your war, but not good enough to live equally afterwards. And I'm pretty sure that I read an interview last year of Ruth Nagea having monkey impressions done to her in the schoolyard as she grew up in Limerick, in a much later time frame. But the extreme end of the scale for me is based in slavery, and especially in the US. The right to own and torture another human, the abuse in every way, the dangers to your life, and for once, Hollywood has depicted this well for us with 12 Years a Slave. As has the writing of Toni Morrison, Alice Walker, Zora Neale Hurston. I read Barracoon very recently, which is based on the interviews done with The Last Living Slave in America, and it wasn't published until 91 years after those interviews. So basically for me, this scale breaks down horribly to one end of the scale being a monkey and all of the perceptions that go with that. And so much of that, yes, is based in our perceptions of literacy and education and status. But the other extreme end of this scale of whipping your slave. And that's the baggage that we're all carrying with us, the assumptions. That's what's buried inside in that scale. And in many ways, all globalisation has done is to bring both extremes of that scale to everywhere in the world. And I really feel in order to change the deep-seated assumptions that are inside in you, you really need to embrace what that scale is about. And for me, one of the best ways of doing this is absorbing culture. It's the easiest route to stepping outside of yourself and understanding somebody else's reality. I would like to finish up lastly that when you have put your assumptions to rest, what I've realised is that integration and anti-racism is not just based on not having these assumptions anymore. You need to make active choices. And I didn't question that it was unusual for me a decade ago in Ireland to make the active choice to start my school in a location with such a mixed demographic of people. And that it wasn't enough just to open the school there, that I actively sought to advertise in the local papers that I knew represented the minorities and the non-nationals within the area. And I included a coupon code as well within those advertisements for them to come to the school. So it's not enough to just say that you don't have the assumptions or that you're not racist. You do actually have to take real actions and real steps and encourage others to take real steps that allow the reality to change for other people.